Hi, I'm Tammy Messier-Gerka, and I'm from Christianity Without the Crap podcast, and I never listen to I Doubt It with Dolomore. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is... I Doubt It with Dolomore. All right, everybody, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Episode 491 of I Doubt It with Dolomore. I am your host, Jesse Dolomore, and today I'm joined by the lovely, the talented, the dog-owning, Brittany Page. Bulldog. Bulldog. Popeye. Yeah, we already talked about it on the AMA episode, which if you're not a Patreon supporter, you didn't listen to. Yes. Well, I guess you could be a Patreon supporter who also didn't listen to it. That's likely. That's true. Um, Or you could also be a person who hasn't yet supported on Patreon, but could have access to the AMA if you do. That is actually far more likely Mm. relative to the number of listeners I know we have. Yes, (laughs) exactly. So anyway, we talked about it. We we uh, it's kind of as a warning that if you hear snoring Mm -hmm. or farting or or general grunting, weird, chortly noises mm-hmm. coming from under, well, I'm telling you where they're coming from, under the table, it's the dog. Now you have someone to blame for the farts. Hilarious. <laughs> Hilarious. God damn! So we rescued. Mm-hmm. I hate saying we rescued. But we, we didn't want to buy right. a bulldog puppy that... Just you're you're supporting a an industry of of breeding and you know building in even more bad traits, these recessive genetic traits that are just they're terrible for well, the breed. Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit because so we've been following this SoCal Bulldog Rescue on Facebook for a long time, and they post a lot about dogs that they go pick up from shelters and then bring to um, their rescue, yeah. and they handle only English bulldogs. I don't think they do Frenchies, right? It's only yeah. English bulldogs. Just bulldogs. And so, through following this Facebook page, I've really learned more about that process, like how people find a pair of bulldogs and they breed them and make a lot of money off the puppies because you can make a lot of money off these puppies. Yeah, like thirty five hundred bucks, four thousand dollars a puppy out right, here in because, Southern California. Yeah, the bulldogs are so cute that people want them and the bulldogs don't have um they can't naturally birth the the puppies that's right they have have surgery yeah and um they the socal bulldog rescue would post about these dogs that have just been used for just a baby making fucking factory right and then they're just abandoned after they can't have any more puppies anymore so it's really sad uh, that bulldogs are put through this just because they're so cute. Well, not only that, because of that breeding process and irresponsible breeders, God, we sound like fucking activists right now. <laughs> um, what happens is there's a lot of traits. Bulldogs are fucked up in many ways. They've got 
they're prone to horrible skin allergies and mm-hmm. dry eye and cherry, all these genetic bullshit that goes on. Mm-hmm. And so also they get bought and then realize, oh shit, the owner's like, uh, I'm, this is way more than I signed up for. And mm-hmm. then they give the bulldog away or surrender it or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, the, the dog we got is a seven year old. He's in his twilight years. He's a middle-aged man mm-hmm. and he's, he's got a bad eye. <laughs> yes. He's got a dry eye. In fact, he's going blind in, even in the other one. He's, he's not in great shape. Yeah. But he does. He's a, as deserving of a good home as, mm-hmm. God, we do sound like activists. <laughs> anyway, so he's, he's really cute. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's gonna be chilling out with us for the next five years or so. He's currently laying at your feet under the table. He, he follows you is. everywhere you yeah, go. Yeah, already. It's only been like three days. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, all this to say that if you hear old man noises, yeah. they're not coming from me. Mm. They are, and I don't even know if they can be heard yet, because yeah. I didn't listen to the bonus episode, yeah. the, the AMA, I just... If someone did, let us know, if you could hear. Yeah, I would I, I would like to know. Because it's hard for us to hear, because we're wearing headphones, Yeah, and so we can't hear really what's going on in the room. I mean, it was so loud when we were doing the AMA that at a certain point I could hear, Right. but at first I couldn't, so... And I'll try to edit out Brittany's being in horror of the fart smells that are coming from under the table. Oh, I had to get up and leave. <laughs> that is Because during the AMA, he was actually laying at my feet and farting on me repeatedly, like four <laughs> times. And it was, it was thick. So anyway, his name is Popeye. I had to chew on his it. Na- his name is Popeye. Yes. Because of the bad eye. Yeah. And he's very tiny at the bottom. Yeah. He's got like really little tiny waist with little, <laughs> like no back legs mm-hmm. and then rrr, all muscles up front. So, yeah. yeah kind of like Popeye. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's a thing. <laughs> so we're excited about it. Yeah. And you can follow his Instagram if you want to follow his adventures at Bully with a Y Popeye. B-U-L-L-Y Popeye. Yes. Because not only do we sound like activists now, we're also those pet owners. Yeah. <laughs> who have a fucking Instagram. Well. Which I make fun of, but fuck you guys. Yeah. He's cute. Yeah. He's, you want to see have him. A good time. He's, he's, the, he's the show's mascot. Yes. He yeah. Is. Yeah, he is. So because our schedule has been a little off kilter, mm-hmm. we don't have any listener communication today. However... It gives me a chance to talk about um, favorite of the show, Pat Robertson. Good times. You know, I can't imagine what it would be like to go through life completely obsessed with how other people have sex. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, my way is good to go. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I mean, he doesn't have sex anymore. There's that wiener hasn't worked in decades, likely. I don't want to think about because he is he at all. When you see him now, he is he's like a a bag of human meat stuffed into stuffed into a bag the shape of an apostrophe. He's just like those gays, you know what I mean? You know how people talk about how evil people live longer than good people? Yes. You, you've heard that. Yes, for um, sure. He's going to be 89 on March 22nd. 89. He's going to be 90 years old here. I mean, if he makes it, yeah. <laughs> he'll make it, right? I mean, 
can we at least get him off TV? So I anyway, mean, listen. Please. Well, when you own the TV network. For the love of God. When you own the television network you're on, it's kind of hard to, to kick him off. Yeah, that's true. It's like if Rupert Murdoch wanted his own fucking show, he'd have his own show. Well, quick side note. We live in um, Orange County, and in Orange County, there used to be TBN, Trinity Broadcasting Network. That is right. And it was like this giant ornate castle looking mm-hmm. building uh very weird and out of place it, like, it was like right across from south coast plaza which is the giant fancy mall here and it would always be adorned with lights and it was this yeah and during christmas time it's even more obscene yeah and it's closed down now every time we drive past it there's, yeah, there's several lawsuits they got sued for a bunch of shit yeah so yeah. I- i'm i'm kind of wondering um, what are they gonna do with that place is a is a princess gonna move in there? What the fuck are they gonna do? The building is massive. That is a giant area. And it's also ornate and ostentatious, like nothing. It's it's very out of place. It's bizarre. Yeah, it is like a castle. And that land is worth some fucking oh yeah choice coin because seriously, <laughs> it is right across the freeway mm-hmm. from the same mall that if I wanted to go buy a quarter million dollar watch right now, mm-hmm. I could march over there and take my pick between multiple stores. Yeah. At which to buy a crazy, insane watch. It's weird. I hope that they fill it with um, ramen and pho restaurants. The TBN or the mall? Because that would be great in the mall. TBN or the mall, whichever. Just more restaurants. (laughs) 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 It'll be a a, a, a pho ramen uh, complex. You know what they should do is a Costco should go there. And they should not change anything about the building. Just (laughs) slap a Costco logo on there. Yeah. That would be great. Very fitting for American Christianity. Mm -hmm. Maybe they would clean those patio tables at the hot dog counter. That's never going to happen. Okay. Anyway, uh, back to Pat Robertson. We (laughs) do have a clip here. Sorry about that. Um there's really no setup that, that needs to be to be made. It's it's like just about any other clip that gets pulled from Pat Robertson, him being a hateful dick. Remember, he's the same guy who says that the gays in San Francisco, they wear a ring with a hook on it mm-hmm. so they can give you the stuff. They can catch you with the ring and cut you to give you the stuff, meaning mm-hmm. AIDS. Mm-hmm. Everybody remember that the mm-hmm. same guy. Yeah. So with the TV show, some people just don't change. Brittany, mm-hmm. he's not taking in new information. He's almost ninety. Should I uh, get to the <laughs> clip? Or are we going to continue to delay? Let's do it. The incredible thing about the homosexuals is they are willing to destroy lives and destroy the whole fabric of society so long as they and their weird way of doing sex is 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 legitimized. That's what they want, and they will take away everything. They'll destroy marriage. They'll destroy families. They'll destroy, um, the, uh, in this case, the foster children. They're willing to tear down the entire edifice in order to have the, the majority of people recognize the way they do sex. That's what it amounts to. And 1%, ladies and gentlemen, get it? 1% of the country, from what we understand, are lesbian. 2% are homosexuals. And that is all. And yet that 2% and 1% are taking charge of the rest of us because they're so vocal and so authoritative and they apparently dominate these legislative bodies. I think if Christians begin to speak out and insist that if some politician goes along 
with the gay agenda that they're going to be voted out of office. And once they get that message, they'll start saying, well, we want to listen to the majority of the people in our society. Until they do, that small minority is going to be dominating everything we do in every aspect of our lives. Mark my word, it's going to happen. Real freaking naughty. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Weird way of doing sex. So we we uh, no need to fact check, but yeah, it just gets one to two percent of the population being gay is just that's that's not it. I've heard numbers anywhere from six to twelve percent. So it probably falls somewhere in the middle there, ten or so percent. Yeah, uh, he's also acting like. So, first of all, I don't know what he's really referring to, right? I don't know which <laughs> you, sex wait, act wait, wait, he's wait. really referring you to. You don't think gays are tearing down the fabric of society? I don't. They're destroying the fabric of society. Mm, the fabric of society is fine. Well, except for <laughs> Donald Trump. But um, the if he's referring to, let's let's say he's referring to anal sex. Okay, let's say that that's... I'm assuming. Yeah, let's say that's... A weird way of doing sex. Okay, let's say that that's what he's referring to. Um, I love all of these pastors and religious types that like to act like that's only for the gays, yeah. right? Yeah, um, right, right. Please, I would love to get my hands on your search history. I wouldn't really. <laughs> I'm just saying that to make a point. I don't really want to look at it. But we talked about this survey one time that 538 covered, and it was from the National Survey of Sexual Health and Behavior. And they asked 1,900 U.S. adults from 18 to 59 about their most recent sexual experience. And it really, this this um, article focused on orgasm and what percentage of men and women orgasmed based on which type of sexual act and how many sexual acts they were engaged in. Hmm. And the interesting part of this was that anal sex was pretty good for both sexes in terms of orgasm. Oh, wow. So 100% of the men and 94% of the women said that they um, orgasmed during encounters in which they had anal sex. 94% of women. Yes. Which is... The way I understand it, and I'm no sexpert, uh, okay, but isn't that that percentage is astronomically lower of women who who orgasm from v- just vaginal sex? Um, well, here's the thing. So these numbers are not as reliable as the other numbers in the survey because it's a very small um, sample size on this particular one because we're talking about receiving anal. So um, there was only 25 men included in that 100% number and then only 31 women included in that that number. And what also made a difference is the number of sex acts that they had engaged in. So Mm. the more sex acts that they engaged in during one encounter, that helps them obviously build up. Yes. Yes, so that also made a difference. But what I'm getting at is... Weird way of doing sex. That other people are doing this. Yeah, it's not it's just... not a, It's not gay sex. 
Right. I, it is many people of all different types of orientations and identities that are engaging in different types of sex. And I know that Pat Robertson knows this because I haven't seen his search history, but I have a hunch that there is some stuff in there. Oh, yeah. That, would, that you know, he, he's figured it out. His life has been a, a, a sordid fuck fest, I bet. The Pat Robertson fuck fest, everybody. Good I, times. Um. I mean, I don't know about that, I'm, but I'm sure he's... Weird way of doing sex. Yeah. sure he's witnessed quite a few fuckfests <laughs> online. That's what I'm saying. You know, I wonder... It's, it's, an, it's an odd thing because he's stuck in his... You know, his heyday was in the 90s. Mm-hmm. He ran for president, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and it's, it's odd that he's, he's stuck in the 90s using 90s uh, jargon, mm-hmm. like the gay agenda. Who talks about the gay agenda anymore except for these ding-dongs who are trapped in the past? Yeah. It, the only gay agenda I know is, hey, we want equality. Mm-hmm. Seems like a decent agenda. Mm-hmm. That's an agenda I can get behind. Yeah. Just... Go the fuck away. And if that means dying, then fucking get on it. Do your thing, Well, son. what's weird is people still write and ask him questions for advice. Yeah. Which, you know, I, I would want to ask a smart person who well, has, like, spent their life studying and reading and, and trying to well, evolve on issues. Well, studying and reading more than just one book. Yeah, the, <laughs> yes. Researching and not trying to adhere to a belief system, but being open to your belief system changing based on new things that you may yeah. come across. Yeah. It's it's not that hard. The, the odd thing about that segment where the woman reads the questions and then he answers them. Mm-hmm. Is, is he that, can't read? No. Well, no. That I mean, that might be true. Mm-hmm. But what's, what strikes me is that as years have gone on, she even gets a little cringed by his answers where she's like, no, well, he's the boss. He owns the fucking network. And she's, you can tell she's very uncomfortable with his unhinged answers. Weird way of doing sex. Anyway, I think that you should also isolate the part where he said the incredible thing about the homosexuals is (laughs) at the very beginning. Yeah. The incredible thing about the homosexuals is... <laughs> tell me. Tell me more, Pat Robertson. Expert. Yeah. About all things gay and gay agenda. Mm. Ugh. Why are we being tortured? You know, that's what I say to myself like 50 times a day. I was just going to say, that's your go-to. And more so lately, I think. Yeah. Well, it's getting worse. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for this all to end. And I'm wondering why <laughs> no one's answering me. you for it all to end. You and Pat Robertson have a lot in common. Yeah. Because I also believe he is just waiting for it all to end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I'm You know, I want to talk about this really quick, too. We were in a lift the other day, and there was a lot of Jesus music that was playing. And... It, was, it seems to happen more than not for me anymore. Yeah, yeah, it's I don't I don't know what's going on with it, but I think maybe they're trying to like signal their virtue or something. I'm a good person, please tip me. Yeah, I I don't know. That that's just me reading too much into it probably, but I found one song in particular pretty interesting because they were singing about the end times, you know, Jesus coming and the madness beginning and 
he's going to take the people with him to heaven and then, you know, the rest of us are going to burn forever. And it was really like uplifting and upbeat this song. The 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 tone of the song was upbeat, but the message is not. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, we know what you're singing about. Right. You're gonna burn and I'm not gonna burn. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's gonna be great. It seemed very inconsistent. <laughs> with the In message. a super airy voiced, worshipy kind of way. Right. It didn't match. I grew up with that shit, so it's that's just like second. Uh, you feel right at home. Yeah, to yeah, it. right, right at home. Yeah, with that. You don't like it. I don't fucking like it at all. I hated it then. I, I mean, I like worship music. I still can listen to like Take Six is uh, an acapella gospel group that I fucking still love the fuck out of those guys. But, mm-hmm. but, but, but I, I never like the poppy Christian. <sighs> God is dead. What's the what's the the movie? God's not dead. Yeah, yeah, that kind of a thing. Yeah, they made two of them. They'll probably make a third one. But I do want to talk about. Also, I keep on saying I do want to talk about this. We aren't. We, didn't we start the show with a promo from Tammy from Christianity Without the Crap? We did. Yeah. Okay, so we had them on for a bonus episode. Mark and Tammy from Christianity Without the Crap, and they did an episode about Christians don't be weird and talked about kind of the weird things that Christians do that put off non-believers yeah, speaking Christianese and yeah all the odd things. But one of the things that they talked about. Isn't one of those things for you? You they talked about worship in particular. Oh yeah, and worship music and putting your hands up and doing the praising. Right, yeah, I never was a hand raising guy, but yeah, yeah. Well, okay, but you your favorite part of church you often talk about is the worship aspect of it, Absolutely. the music and the yeah that that aspect of it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, in fact, it was weird to me that Mark was k- kind of kind of poo-pooing the worship side of things because he's the pastor he's not the musician yeah <laughs> but maybe it's just my my love of music and you know having a moment of it's it's a it's a special thing when you're together with a bunch of like-minded people singing one song i don't know there's something kind of magic and synergistic about it that i always really dug i think that Mark has a different focus when it comes to music. I remember I used to run the the sound booth at the church with my mom and my mom would run the song slides so that people could see the lyrics. Yeah. And I would do the the soundboard and uh he came in one day and I think we were playing the mingling music, you know, where you play like a hip song and everyone stands up and and talks to each other before the music starts, before the singing, the worship starts. My church didn't play any hip songs oh, okay. before, yeah. Well, we, that's what happened there. That would have been that would have been the devil's music. Okay. Well, yeah. it was like secular Steve, music, no good. It was like Steve Winwood. You know. Oh yeah, that guy's a Satan worshiper. Yeah, hundred percent. So Steve Winwood is playing, and uh, Mark walks in and just goes to the soundboard and turns up the volume and tells me he wants to feel the he wants to feel his shirt vibrating from the bass. <laughs> wow. So yeah, I that think... would that would not have flown. Oh okay. This just in from my pastor's wife. She's not a Christian. <laughs> yeah, that's the kind of church I grew up in. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that clip never gets old. <laughs> Maybe for the listeners, not for me. Well, we only do the show for us. <laughs> All this time, Brittany, mm-hmm. you have, I've tricked you into thinking that we have an audience. When really, Uh-oh. I just like to spend time with you, and this is a, a way to do that. I should have looked into this. <laughs> 
It's a bummer for me. <laughs> Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. We do not have any new Patreon supporters to announce today, but we would like to say thank you to... <laughs> wow. I did not play that, you guys. We would like to say thank you to our very loyal and loving Patreon supporters who help us do what we do and keep the lights on around here. Um, you can support us in other ways if you cannot afford to support us financially. Yeah. And it would put you in a tough spot. Please don't feel guilty at all. There are other ways that you can help us. And first and foremost being like the episodes on the Facebook page. Yes. That is a huge way because the Facebook algorithm is really a problem. Doesn't put links into people's feeds. It's very annoying. It is. Uh, how do you say? Facebook. I mean, it's they're dicks. It's yeah. a dick move. Yeah. That's prick shit, bro. That's prick yeah. shit. And then also... Because they love native links. Anything within Facebook, oh, they'll promote all fucking day long. Right. But not... Oh, they, oh, you have a dollamore.com link in there? Yeah, fuck you. That shit's not getting seen. And then also, you can rate and review us on iTunes. But remember, do not use profanity because it will not go through. So that is definitely one way. But hey, if you can afford it, if you can and you value what we do, we make you laugh. We inform you of something that you didn't know. We talk about something that was surprising to you that you can then use as a factoid at the dinner table with your family and yes. offend everybody and get everybody all riled up. Well, then you should support us. Yeah, listen. Listen, I'm not the funniest guy in mm. the world. Mm. Maybe the second or third. All right. <laughs> but I certainly provide $2 worth of jokes a month. I think that's fair. If you smile, if you leave the show smiling, well, even if you leave angry, we've moved you in some way. <laughs> that is exactly right. <laughs> so we love you guys. We appreciate you. Uh, we would love to hear from you. 657-464-7609. That is the number you can call. Leave a fewer than three-minute voicemail to sound off. Help us move the conversation forward. You can also email your voice memos from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Dollamocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So as everyone knows or should know, Donald Trump declared his national emergency. That was such an emergency that he waited for months to do so. It was such an emergency that he waited until he had a Democratic Congress to do it. It wasn't an emergency when he had a Republican Congress and could have jammed it right through. It was only an emergency after. Well, there's a new move on Capitol Hill to block this, the Democrats are putting forward, that will that will force it to be brought up in the Senate. It's not one of those things procedurally that Mitch McConnell can just bury. He's required to bring it to a vote. And that is what's happening like right now. That's happening. This morning, the president is also digging in on his national emergency declaration to get that money for a border wall, telling Republican lawmakers not to be weak 
on border security. That's one of his tweets this morning. This is just a day, of course, before the House votes on whether to block that emergency declaration. Meanwhile, 58 former national security officials, both Republicans and Democrats, we should note, are releasing a joint statement this morning slamming that declaration. Joining us now, Alex Marquardt, CNN senior national correspondent with more. Alex, it's quite a list here. It is a bipartisan list, and their words are pretty damning. It is a resounding joint bipartisan rebuke of the president and his uh, declaration of a national emergency uh, there on the southern border. Let's just take a quick look at some of these names. 58 of the most prominent names in the national security space. Uh, You have Democrats like uh, Madeleine Albright, uh, some of the foremost officials in intelligence, John Brennan, James Clapper. And then a handful of Republicans as well, Thomas Pickering, who served uh, at the U.N. under George H.W. Bush, Chuck Hagel, who was Secretary of Defense under President Obama, uh, and Elliot Cohen, who, who served at the State Department under George W. Bush. So it is very much bipartisan. And in this 11-page statement, these 58 officials could not be clear. Let me read just part of this statement. They write, under no plausible assessment of the evidence, is there a national emergency today that entitles the president to tap into funds appropriated for other purposes to build a wall at the southern border. Now, this letter is designed to support other uh, efforts to block the president's uh, declaration of national emergency. You have 16 uh, states that have filed lawsuits. The ACLU is is suing. But Poppy and Jim, as you mentioned, the biggest one is the House taking up this resolution in a vote tomorrow that would be designed to block the president's declaration of a national emergency. Of course, the Democrats do control the House. The big question, and and, and this is coming from White House officials themselves, is not whether that resolution passes. uh, It's by what margin. The president has said uh, that he would veto it, but it would be a very strong message sent by Democrats. Uh, Nancy Pelosi, of course, the Speaker of the House, has called the president's actions lawless. Uh, uh, She said that it does violence to our Constitution. And the underlying fear here by these 58 officials is that in declaring this national emergency, uh, that when, in fact, in their view, there is an actual uh, national emergency that it would take away uh, from the measures and the actions uh, that go into effect when Mm -hmm. a national emergency is declared. Jim, Poppy. So, again, this is, I mean, I don't even even know why we're talking about this, because the the Trump administration has created an odd set up where they they are immune from the criticism of members from outside of politics who are members of their own party like this group that is um condemning well condemning might be a strong word but this group that is that is um opposing this 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 move to do a national emergency it's a bipartisan group of of republicans and democrats but a lot of republicans National security, former national security experts, officials, not just experts, people who do, who've done the job, and Republicans in Congress don't, uh, they don't fucking care, because it's become the norm to ignore the system, to ignore the the the, the experts in the field because they've bent the knee to Donald Trump. They'll do whatever for fear that he'll turn on them and, and in turn turn his MAGA morons against them. Well, something we haven't talked about is uh, Mark Kelly, the astronaut who yeah. is running for Martha McSally's Senate seat in Arizona. Which is John McCain's 
ascendancy. Right. Yeah. And his ad was is great. I, I cried while watching it. It was very moving. Uh, remember, he is married to Gabby Gifford. That's right. Who is the former congresswoman in Arizona that was uh, shot at a public event. Yeah. Um, by, I forgot which one. Jared Lee Lochner. Okay. There's been so many. It's yeah. hard to keep track of them. Um, but Martha McSally is someone who definitely needs to go because she tweeted and she supported the spending measure that uh, gave $22.5 billion for border security. Come on. Um, and she supports Donald Trump's goals. L- let, me, let me clarify what I just said. Come on, not come on against border security. Mm-hmm. But in the Trump age, border security means wall. Mm-hmm. And which is one just a colossal waste of money. We need border security. Of course, we need border security. But that means technology. That means manpower. That does not mean a horrific eyesore of a wall that can be bested by a fucking ladder or a shovel. Yeah. Anyway, continue. Well, what we need to remember that the border illegal boarding crossings are down. Yes. Did I say illegal boarding crossing? Illegal border crossings are down uh, year after year for about the past 10 years. And people are not attempting to get away from border patrol, but actually surrendering themselves to the border and claiming that they have a fear, a credible fear That's right. um, of returning to their country and they would like to claim asylum. So, you know, the the drugs that are coming through are coming through through ports of entry, not, you know, through the border which illegally. Is a, which is another point that Donald Trump is is flagrantly lying about. He's flipping the number because 90% of the drugs come in through a legal port of entry, whether it be an illegal border crossing or through the ports, uh, uh, through shipping channels. And you and he's saying the exact opposite. Right. And you have to be careful because I've, I've seen headlines from like Hannity and Fox News that will talk about however many pounds of marijuana were seized at the border. And when you actually read that story... It was at a port of entry. Right. It wasn't that the Border Patrol found someone illegally crossing the border and just so happened to have have all these drugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have to kind of read the article, not just look at the headline, which so often doesn't happen. And that behavior is also not rewarded on social media because you're more likely to get the likes and the retweets with just a catchy headline, which is really unfortunate. Yeah, and even... Uh, reputable media outlets like the right. Hill, right? The other day, tweeted about, tweeted about uh, Maya Rudolph, mm-hmm. like attacking Donald Trump. Yeah, oh, she attacked Donald Trump and his that the Mexico's not paying for the wall. It's like one not fucking news that a comedian said something funny at the Oscars. Yeah, get the fuck out of here. Also, it wasn't an attack; it was an offhanded comment. It was a, a one off line, right? She didn't go on some diatribe about Donald Trump. Yeah. Uh, but they get clicks. They get, oh, retweet, retweet, re- retweet. Yeah. Unfortunate. Dumb. Mm-hmm. So let's get into Donald Trump's wild week ahead. And really, there's two things that are happening. One, he is in Vietnam right now. Mm-hmm. He has touched down and tweeted the announcement. I'm here in fucking Vietnam to meet my good buddy. We're in love because he sent me love letters. And no, 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 no. We're in love. I mean, he trusts him. Wasn't it a weird thing when he did the we're in love thing? I think we talked about it on the show months ago. Of course, it's weird. Everything he does is weird. Because it, he really he doubled like everybody laughed like, oh, ha, ha, ha. he goes, no, no, no. We're in love. 
It was weird. Oh my god. He didn't like no no no, I don't mean like in love in love. He just like, yeah, we're in love. He sent yeah. me beautiful letters. Yeah. I like don't. like he's like he's a the the lady waiting at home while her husband's off at combat and Listen, like Jesse. He's a Civil War bride or something. Jesse. My dearest Darlene. You just don't get it. You are not a master negotiator. I am not. There's something happening here behind the scenes. Weird way of doing sex. And maybe that. I don't know. But you you don't know what's happening. I don't know. You don't know. But let's let Pamela Brown from CNN try to explain it. President Trump on his way to Vietnam for his second summit with Kim Jong-un after starting the day touting how close he is with the North Korean dictator. I have a very, very good relationship with Kim Jong-un. Very, very good. We have a special feeling and I think it's going to lead to something very good. In a meeting with the country's governors, the president laid out the U.S.'s goal that North Korea get rid of its nuclear weapons without defining exactly what that looks like. I think we'll have a very tremendous summit. We want denuclearization. Well, thank you very much, everybody. While also appearing to tamp down expectations. I'm not in a rush. I don't want to rush anybody. I just don't want testing. As long as there's no testing. We're happy. A far cry from his position following the first summit last June. It will be a total denuclearization, which is already starting. The president had gone even further in a tweet saying, quote, there is no longer a nuclear threat from North Korea. But Secretary of State Mike Pompeo told Jake on State of the Union, that's just not true. Do you think North Korea remains a nuclear threat? Yes. But the president said he doesn't. It's not what he said. I mean, I, I know, I know precisely. He tweeted what he said. there is no longer a nuclear threat from North Korea. Right. What, what he said is that the, what he said was that the efforts that had been made in Singapore, this commitment that Chairman Kim made, have substantially taken down the risk to the American people. As the talks play out, key events in Congress could distract from the president's summit. Mr. Cohen, did you meet with the Senate Intelligence Committee today, including Trump's former personal attorney Michael Cohen, testifying before Congress three times? privately and publicly. Immigrants are welcome here. And the House will vote Tuesday to block the president's national emergency declaration for the border wall. If you don't have it, you're not going to have borders. You're not going to have a country pretty soon. 58 former senior national security officials see it differently, signing on to a scathing bipartisan letter admonishing the president's declaration, saying it's at odds with the administration's own data and estimates. Now, President Trump will be meeting one-on-one with Kim Jong-un on Wednesday. All of this happening against the backdrop of the president's former fixer and attorney, Michael Cohen, testifying to Congress. And, of course, Wednesday is the day he is expected to testify publicly. Now, those close to the president are shrugging it off, saying that Cohen is a proven liar. But he is expected to touch on touchy subjects for this president, Jake, his personal and business dealings. So uh, it is certainly a high-stakes week for this president. So two major things. The Cohen testimony, which is happening right now, and then tomorrow publicly, while I'm in grand jury, mm. he's going to be publicly testifying. Bummer for you. Total fucking bummer. If only there was a way that I could rewatch it later mm. after the fact. I think it's like a one and done thing. Yeah. Like it's live and then it's never going to be around. I think that is the way things work now. Yeah. So let's talk about that first. And then I want to talk about this This. Bizarre again, Mike Pompeo completely. Nope, that's not what he said. Well, actually, and Jake Tapper reads it. He tweeted, "There is no longer a, th- a nuclear threat in New- North Korea." That's what he said. No, that's not what he said. 
I know what he said. Well, no, you don't, Dick, because this is what he said. Maybe it's another, here's what he meant. No, he didn't even say that. Well, he didn't even say, here's what he meant. They're just eschewing the old way of doing things now. You know what I mean? Yeah. So do you want me to read this statement from Sarah Sanders about Michael Cohen? Yeah, I want to go there first. Okay, so here it is. And get she's ready. A nice, she's a nice lady. Uh, it, it's not like we are Michael Cohen fans. In fact, we're not. No, so, he's a piece of shit. So, but, but this is just like really aggressive coming out of the White House. She's not a Christian! <laughs> it doesn't say anything That's about not that. That's her? It, let's, I mean, if I could read it in that tone, I would. This just in from Sarah Huckabee Sanders. <laughs> Quote, disgraced felon Michael Cohen is going to prison for lying to Congress and making other false statements. Sadly, he will go before Congress this week and we can expect more of the same. It's laughable that anyone would take a convicted liar like Cohen at his word and pathetic to see him given yet another opportunity to spread his lies. It takes a special kind of asshole to say that about someone who is a liar while lying for a living for a man who has told more than 8,000 lies or falsehoods or uh, misdirections, Mm -hmm. misleading statements since taking office. Yeah. Over Mm 8,000. I don't think I've said 8,000 things (laughs) since he took office. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is pretty remarkable. Just the, hateful as fuck. Well, also the denial. I mean, you you can't you can't you're not up on a high horse. Yeah, Sarah, definitely not. You know. So can I can we get back to the the Pompeo thing here? Yes. Again, lying. It is a weird, pathetic thing. Let's listen to the entire. We only, they only played just the brief, like eight seconds of the clip. There. This is this is like a minute forty five from the interview. Listen to the brave. This is the man who used to be the CIA director, who is now the Secretary of State for the United States of America, who was an extremist nutter butter congressman from Kansas, Mike Pompeo. So tensions in the peninsula uh, have alleviated, but your successor as CIA director, Gina Haspel, told Congress last month that North Korea is, quote, committed to developing a long range nuclear armed missile that would pose a direct threat to the United States. Now, President Trump, after the last summit, said, he tweeted, quote, there is no longer a nuclear threat from North Korea. Does he still believe there's no longer a nuclear threat from North Korea, even though Gina Haspel, the CIA director, says North Korea is committed to creating this missile to hit the United States? Having been the CIA director not too terribly long ago, uh, I'm very familiar with the fact pattern. We do know the history. We know the history of of the North Koreans making promises, making commitments, lying, uh, taking American money when President Clinton said we've got this resolved back in 1994. This administration's not going to do that. We, we have charted a different path. Frankly, we've been criticized for taking that path. Where we work, we negotiate, and then the two people who can actually effectuate the denuclearization of North Korea and a brighter future for the North Korean people will gather for a second time. Uh, we, we have economic sanctions in place. We know the standard for relieving those sanctions, and I'm very hopeful that we'll make a substantial step towards achieving the full denuclearization in a verifiable way in North Korea. The, the South Koreans, the Japanese have been great partners in this, and we're, we're very hopeful we can get a good outcome. Do you, th- do you think North Korea remains a nuclear threat? Yes. But the president said he doesn't. It's not what he said. I mean, I, I, know, I know precisely he tweeted, what he said. There I is no longer a nuclear threat from North Korea. Right. What, what, he said is that the, what he said was that the efforts that had been made in Singapore, this commitment that Chairman Kim made, have substantially taken down the risk 
to the American people. It's the mission of the Secretary of State and the President of the United States to keep the American people secure. Uh, we're, we're aiming to achieve that. Okay. I mean, that's just a direct quote, but I want to move on. <laughs> Unbelievably frustrating. I can't imagine being JTAP in that situation because, well, it's just a direct, it's, it, it's exactly the response he gave when Donald Trump denied knowing anything about the KKK or mm-hmm. David Duke endorsing him. Yeah. Well, it's, it's just the KKK, but, you know, you know, mm-hmm. ah, maddening, yes, fucking maddening. for sure. You're saying, no, he did not say that. No, no, that's not, that's not what he said. Well, I got, <laughs> I got the tweet right here, brother. Mm-hmm. There is no longer a nuclear threat in North Korea. No, no, no. Sorry, 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 dude. He didn't say that. I know what he said. Mm-hmm. Well, no, you don't, you fucking piece of shit. Wow. That came out of nowhere. No, it didn't. I think that uh, it didn't come out of nowhere. You're feeling really fired up right now. I fucking, you know, I. But again, this going back to the Michael Cohen thing. So yes, Michael Cohen is a liar. Yes, Michael Cohen is a bad person. But so are all of you. So yeah. are you really in a position to be talking about this? Right. No, you're not. So please stop. So let's stick with Jake Tapper here because um, colossal. I mean, the fucking embodiment of Dunning Dunning Kruger is the Trump family. And uh, Trump Jr., who, uh, if there ever was a such thing as a punchable fucking face, his shoulderless ass is holding up the face that needs to be punched. And he went on Fox and Friends, shocker, because he doesn't do, when has he ever done a hard-hitting interview in the last, since Donald Trump took office? He really, he relegates himself to easy softball interviews where he's not going to be challenged. Well, and the interesting thing about Fox and Friends is Steve Ducey has not been there. And in Steve Ducey's place has been Pete Hegseth. Oh, you know, the damn. guy who doesn't wash his hands, that one. Yeah, we didn't, we never, we've, it's been so busy, we never got to that. We never even talked about that thing. But well, he also claimed he was joking, so. I watched the clip. You don't think it was a joke? Yeah, they're. They, it was one of those situations where uh, he said it, mm-hmm. they reacted as though it was a joke, but he, unless he's just the perfect straight man who just tells a joke and then, no, I'm being totally serious. The, the interesting thing about it too is didn't he preface it by saying my like New Year's resolution this year is to say more things on TV that I wouldn't normally feel comfortable saying? Yeah, that, that, I want to say more stuff on TV that I would say in my regular life. Yeah, that, like I don't wash my hands. And, and I haven't I, for 10 years. I can't see germs, so they're not there. Yeah, they don't exist because I can't see them. Anyway, yeah, we're off track because that guy's a fucking dickbag. But he's going to be in the clip. He, he's going to be in the clip. Mm-hmm. A rather bold assertion today from the president's oldest son, Donald Trump Jr. Listen to him downplay connections to people already implicated in special counsel Robert Mueller's Russia investigation. I've been hearing this for two years where everyone's getting into everyone's going to jail. Meanwhile, they haven't actually found anything as it relates to this. What they did was they put incredible pressure on regular guys that couldn't afford million dollars in legal fees and got them to slip up and say something incorrectly. You know, they pretended they were their friends. They got them. And that's all that happened. There are no actual crimes. Hmm. Crimes. The truth is, Mueller has filed 199 criminal counts. He's charged 37 people in companies. He sent four people to prison already. Those regular guys Donald Trump Jr. was mentioning include guilty pleas from his father's former personal attorney and fixer Michael Cohen, his father's former campaign chair Paul Manafort, former national security advisor Michael Flynn, former Trump campaign official Rick Gates, former campaign advisor 
George Papadopoulos, just a bunch of regular guys. As for Don Jr.'s assertion, Mueller's team found no actual crimes. Well, lying to Congress is a crime. Lying to the FBI is a crime. Witness tampering is a crime. Violating campaign finance laws is a crime. Criminal conspiracy to defraud the United States by interfering in the U.S. election, which Mueller's charging several Russians with having done, that's definitely a crime. Conspiracy to commit wired fraud, that's a crime. Bank fraud, that's a crime. That's just some of them. And as far as we know, Mueller's not even done. Let's bring in CNN political correspondent Sarah Murray, along with CNN justice reporter Laura Jarrett. So, uh, Laura, let me start with you. There's no actual evidence in terms of that Trump Tower meeting that Donald Trump Jr. helped set up. There's no actual evidence that a crime was committed there, although it was set up to get dirt on Hillary Clinton. But the president's former aides, Steve Bannon, called that meeting treasonous. And it does, at the very least, suggest a certain willingness to commit conspiracy, although not an actual crime. Well, and remember, the purpose of that meeting wasn't just to try to dig up dirt on Clinton, but it was also about potentially easing sanctions under the Medici Act. And so it was trying to cajole Trump Jr. into making sure that his father would follow through on that if elected. Now, as you pointed out, uh, Donald Trump Jr. has not been charged with anything, and he may make it through this entire Russia investigation without being charged with anything. Uh, and that is, that's just something to say for that. But all of the crimes that you just listed are real crimes. Just ask Manafort and Gates and Papadopoulos and Flynn, who are all going to prison. I would imagine that they would say those are real crimes. And, and most of the uh, crimes are things that took place related to this or the investigation Although a lot of Manafort stuff preceded it, but in terms of the aggregate of the 199, there's this thing, though, Sarah, I have to ask you. We know from the Mueller investigation that Manafort shared internal campaign polling data with Konstantin Kalimnik, who Mueller says has ties to Russian military intelligence. What, where's that going to lead? What does that mean? Okay, so this is the frustrating thing that allows, you know, all of these campaign aides and family members of Donald Trump to go out there and say there is no collusion, there is no conspiracy, because we see the prosecutors and even the judge in this Manafort case saying that Paul Manafort's interactions with Konstantin Kalimnik are central to this investigation, that it could be important that he shared this data. But we don't know if we're ever going to see how these pieces link together. We don't know if we're ever going to see that part of the Mueller report. So there's two things I want to talk about here. One is just the ridiculous assertion that all five of these characters who lied to the FBI, who've been charged, who've been found guilty, who've been sentenced, are just regular guys. He's trying to paint a picture like the FBI went in there with their wily law enforcement ways and bamboozled, hoodwinked these these innocent plumbers, they're just hard-working dudes. They don't know the inner workings of the justice system. They're just, they leaned on these regular guys. These aren't dimwits. These are people who are at the highest levels of a presidential campaign. The former National Security Advisor, the former Defense Intelligence Agency Director, Mike Flynn. Paul Manafort, Rick Gates, the co-chairman or the, the deputy chairman of the campaign, George Papadopoulos, PhD, Dr. George Papadopoulos. So get the fucking fuck out of here with that bullshit. Nobody's buying it except for morons who wear red hats that say make America great again, who believe anything that's puked out of some Trump's mouth on Fox News. 
Now, the other thing I want to talk about related to this is at the end there, when when Sarah Murray was talking about her worry or her concern or stating flatly that we may never see the contents of the Mueller report. I don't believe that. I do believe eventually we will see it. It might be a circuitous route, but we're going to get there. And not just because of the importance, but because of the doggedness of Democrats in Congress right now. They're not going to allow it to not be released. At the very least, they're going to bring in, they'll subpoena Robert Mueller to come and testify. And if his report is being kept secret and tamped down, I think he'll be more than willing to come in and uh, give his case to Congress. Here's uh, Adam Schiff on ABC this weekend explaining exactly where he stands on that. Bill Barr has committed in his testimony to making as much of the report public uh, as he can, and the regulations allow him to make it all public, uh, and we're going to insist on it becoming public. Uh, And more than that, George, we're going to insist on the underlying evidence because there is certain uh, evidence that is only in the hands of the Department of Justice that we can't get any other way. There were searches conducted, for example, of Roger Stone and Paul Manafort. Uh, There's no other way to get uh, the information that was seized except through the department. And we can't tell the country fully what happened without it. As you know, William Barr may have quite a different view of what those regulations require than you do. They could allow him to release the entire report, but under Justice Department regulations, uh, officials have said that if you decline to prosecute someone, then the underlying evidence should not be released. Uh, But George, the department has uh, violated uh, that policy uh, repeatedly and extendedly, you know, to to a great extent over the last two years. In fact, I've had this conversation with Rod Rosenstein and others on down at the Justice Department as they turned over thousands and thousands of pages of discovery in the Clinton email investigation, and there was no indictment in that investigation, uh, that this was a new precedent they were setting, and they were going to have to live by this precedent, uh, whether uh, it was a Congress controlled by the Democrats or Republicans. So they're going to have to abide by that. Uh, and I think also, quite separate and apart from the precedent they've already set, is the intense public need to know here which I think overrides any other consideration. You say, you say, you say the Justice Department is going to have to live by that precedent, but what if they don't? What if they simply say, no, we're not going to release the underlying evidence? What options do you have? Well, we will obviously subpoena the report. Uh, we will bring Bob Mueller in to testify before Congress. We will take it to court if necessary. Uh, and in the end, I think the department understands they're going to have to make this public. Uh, I think Barr will ultimately understand that as well. We will see about that. But it's ridiculous to assert that because of uh, the the Department of Justice policy that you can't indict a sitting president, that because you decline to prosecute, the report shouldn't be released. However, the only reason you're declining to prosecute is because of Department of Justice policy that you can't indict a sitting president. So we can't release it because we're not prosecuting. We're not indicting. Oh, but we can't indict, so you can't release. That's a, a cycle of, of, of stupidity that we would be caught in. And I, listen, I do believe that Adam Schiff is a political actor in this. I don't take everything he says at face value because he is. He has an agenda. Now, the, the agenda happens to line up with mine. But I'm not going to take every argument he makes at face value. However, 
I believe that he will not, they are going to be uh, relentless about this. And it's his relentlessness that makes me feel comfortable that eventually we're going to see what's going on. Maybe not all of it because there's going to be redacted portions because part of this has also been a counterintelligence investigation. Right. But but I think we're going to get a a good cross-section of what the fuck went on. Do you think that this is your optimism speaking? The optimism that we talk about that is always contained within the Jesse D. Maybe. Mm. But I don't think so. Because of the fact that this is so important. Mm -hmm. This is unprecedented. Unprecedented. Yeah. um, For our nation. Mm -hmm. There's no other thing. Even Watergate doesn't parallel. We... It's going to have to be released. And also, relative to Bill Barr and his legacy, he is a guy who cares about how he's viewed because he's a normal person. Mm -hmm. He does want to go down in history as the two-time attorney general who honored the Justice Department and wasn't just a patsy to protect a criminal president. I don't know. And let me tell you what the the optimist Jesse D is doing right now. Yes, tell us. And this is just what I've been in my head. So I'm, Uh-oh. I am I didn't decide to, to say I was going <laughs> to talk. About, I didn't decide to talk about it until just now. Okay. I have this fantasy in my head. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a good one. Weird way of doing sex. It, it is uh, that Bill Barr's in on this kind of a thing that they're going to, they're going to pull the rug out from under. Mm. And because I just... Listen, I disagree policy-wise with Bill Barr a lot, mm-hmm. but I just don't see, and this is the this is the optimist in me, I don't see him throwing his good friend Robert Mueller under the bus. Mm-hmm. All the work that's gone in, all the evidence that's been compiled, I, I don't think he's going to allow that to, to go nowhere. So fingers crossed for a coup is what you're saying. <laughs> no, why would you say that? I'm just making a joke. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh. All right. All right. Taking care of biz. The Sunrise Movement kids. The Sunrise Movement children yes so the sunrise movement is uh as as according to their website an army of young people to stop climate change and create millions of good jobs in the process Mm. okay that's what they're building what are they ivanka trump and they (laughs) yeah she's created millions of jobs you guys did you hear donald trump said this i wish i would have pulled the clip ivanka (laughs) trump has created millions of jobs according to donald trump yeah I don't listen. I don't. How remarkable is that? I don't think Apple has created millions of jobs. It would take a company on that scale to create millions of jobs, and Donald Trump says it mm-hmm. again, like it's fucking fact. Again, say it with me. Why are we being tortured? Uh, anyway, back so, to the Sunrise yeah, Kids. The sunrise, sunrise Movement. The Sunrise Children, they um, confronted. Senator Dianne Feinstein, who is 
our senator, the yeah. senator here in California, who was just reelected, who yeah. I did not vote for. Neither did I. And she, these these children came into the office. They were with adults, and they confronted her about supporting the Green New Deal. Can I go in and share this letter? And we're going to do it all together. Yeah. Share it in front of Feinstein. We're asking her to vote yes on the Green New Deal. We are trying to ask you to vote yes on the Green New Deal. Okay, I'll tell you what. We have our own Green New Deal. Some scientists have said that we have 12 years to turn this around. Well, it's not going to get turned around in 10 years. What we can do Senator, if is this doesn't get turned around in 10 years, you're looking at the faces of the people who are going to be living with these consequences. The government is supposed to be for the people and by the people and all You know what's interesting about this group is I've been doing this for 30 years. I know what I'm doing. You come in here and you say it has to be my way or the highway. I don't respond to that. I've gotten elected. I just ran. I was elected by almost a million vote plurality. And I know what I'm doing. So, you know, maybe people should listen a little bit. I hear what you're saying, but we're the people who voted you. You're supposed to listen to us. That's your job. How old are you? I'm 16. I can't vote. you didn't vote for me. Well, she voted. It doesn't matter. We're the ones who are going to be impacted. It doesn't matter. We're going to be the ones who are impacted. I understand that. I have seven grandchildren. I understand it very well. Senator, the cost of not taking this action is far higher than the cost of what the Green New Deal will be. And Here's there is what, enormous popularity for this bill around okay. the whole country. Here's and we're asking you to be brave and do this for us and, and for your grandchildren. Get enough for okay. I'm trying to do the best I can, which was to write a responsible resolution. Any plan that, that doesn't take bold, transformative okay. action is not going to be what we need. Well, we need you know better than I do. So I think one day you should leadership. run for the Senate. Great. And we then you do it your you, way. But by that time, you. in the meantime, by that time, there's gonna I be just, a big problem. I just won a, a big election. Ugh, I just won a big election. A million vote plurality, kids. Maybe you should run for Senate. <laughs> I've been doing this for 30 years. I know best. The say this is the reason why I didn't vote for fucking Diane Feinstein. Because she has she holds this same attitude about universal health care. What, what sets her apart from Mitch McConnell if this is her her standpoint? Fuck her. Why, why is she not asshole of today? Well, we wanted to take a more Ugh. positive uh, approach and give the kids taking care of business. Weesh but it was, me. It was difficult to remain positive for some people in the room. So I... Is the dog acting like an asshole? What well, are you saying? Something I want to talk about uh, related to this is how... So after this video went viral... People like Ben Shapiro were praising Diane Feinstein right, and saying and saying I like her now. And also, I heard Meghan McCain say this that she likes her now and appreciated what she did. And for Meghan McCain's uh, perception and, and whatever, she said that she doesn't like when children are used as political props. <laughs> now, I don't know if that is also Ben Shapiro's position or if that is kind of the conservative position. But I would like to say that the the same people who hate you. Using children as political props have no problem like taking their young children to church and inserting a belief system into their young child's right. head. Yeah. Um, whether it be the church, 
religion, whether it be their own political persuasion, which just so happens to be at odds with the liberal uh, political orientation. Yeah, I'm sure the other a few weeks ago at the March for Life that Ben Shapiro was a keynote speaker. I'm sure he admonished the crowd. Hey, all of you parents who have your kids in the crowd, how dare you? How dare you use your children as political props? I'm sure that's what that little fucking weasel said. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just I think it's really disingenuous to make that criticism when these people have no problem. Of course. Raising children and giving them a belief system, giving them their own belief system to inherit and not encouraging uh, free thinking. Listen, right? we're talking about climate change. Listen. This is an existential crisis that we're facing right now. This 12-year figure that Diane Feinstein somehow turned into 10 years right after it was said to her because she's such a listener is something that we must deal with right now. The polar ice caps are melting at alarming rates. They're finding pockets underneath that, 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 that are indicating that it has actually melted more than they thought. The evidence is secure. It is rock solid. Well, and I want to talk about this uh, recent report that came in the journal Nature Climate Change. Um, and it's a U.S.-led team. And they said that, quote, humanity cannot afford to ignore such clear signals about the rising temperatures over the past 40 years. And they said that the confidence that human activities were raising heat at the surface have reached a, quote, five sigma level, which is a statistical gauge, meaning there is only one in a million chance that the signal would appear if there was no warming. Yeah. Now, this is a gold standard, okay, that was applied in 2012 to confirm the discovery of the Higgs boson subatomic particle. Yeah, yeah. Um, the basic building block of the universe. So we're, we're getting to a point where <laughs> you still have people who are denying climate change tweeting, yeah, but it, it snowed today, lulz. Um, yeah. But if you if you look at the actual scientists that are talking about this issue. It's those ding-dongs that are praising Feinstein for this, this uh, display that she put on. I also want to read a portion from this article that I read. It's called A World Without Clouds. And I want to make sure to give the author some credit here. Let me go find their name really quick. Natalie Wolchover is her name. I'm sure that's her name. And she she wrote this article, A World Without Clouds. And I'm just going to read this, this part that she, yeah. that she references here. Quote, Climate physicists at the California Institute of Technology performed a state-of-the-art simulation of stratocumulus clouds, the low-lying, blankety kind that have by far the largest cooling effect on the planet. So just quick pause. You know, clouds, they reflect sun back. Yeah. Um, and that prevents heating or reduces heating um, of the earth. A runaway greenhouse effect. Yes. Yeah, so back to the, the quote. The simulation revealed a tipping point, a level of warming at which stratocumulus clouds break up altogether. The disappearance occurs when the concentration of CO2 in the simulated atmosphere reaches 1,200 parts per million, a level that fossil fuel burning could push us past in about a century under a quote-unquote business-as-usual emissions scenario. In the simulation, when the tipping point is breached, Earth's temperature soars 8 degrees Celsius in addition to the 4 degrees of warming or more caused by the CO2 directly. So we're talking about a type of cloud disappearing. 
being gone. Yeah. And no longer reflecting that heat and the earth warming. So tell me more, Diane Feinstein, about how I don't respond to that. Wait a minute. These kids are telling me what to do and the earth is in the balance. I don't respond well to that. Fuck you. Because these kids, as they wisely said, they're the ones who are going to have to clean up the fucking mess that you refused to clean up because it was expensive. Because coal. Because you need political donors. Well, and it gets really frustrating because liberals like to paint themselves as the logic, uh, reasonable party, pro-science, right? Yeah. Um, But this was very dismissive and shitty. And if you're actually paying attention to what scientists are saying and, and what the consensus says, this is really concerning. And... Everyone should be very concerned about this. If you want to talk about a national emergency, well, this should be the national emergency. This is the national emergency. if things continue as business as usual, in a relatively short period of time, there are going to be changes that will occur and it will be permanent damage. We're talking about a certain type of cloud going extinct. That's a come on. It, it, okay, we're gonna we're gonna wrap because I want to ask the audience: Am I being too crazy here? <laughs> the answer is likely yes. But if you disagree, if you agree, we want to hear from you. Either way, we want to hear from you. We're gonna end the show. Six five seven four six four seventy six zero nine. Again, six five seven four six four seven six zero nine. I doubt it at dollamore.com is where you email your voice memos from your smartphone. And we want to hear from you. We want to have you help us move the conversation forward, giving you a platform for also for your views. It's not just our show. We want to hear from you. Also, if you are ready to support the show, if you are in a position financially to support the show, two, three, four, five bucks a month, more. Daddy Warbucks over here. Mama Warbucks over here. Uh, go to teamdollamore.com and join the Patreon family. There are some perks. There are some rewards. Uh, we do a Google Hangout call twice a month. It's a good time. There are uh, stickers and a newsletter. There are all kinds of different stuff and new things on the horizon. Anyway, we will see you next time. We love you guys. We appreciate your listenership and your loyalty. Please sound off. Until next time, for Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. That wiener hasn't worked in decades like this.